But for those of you who are new, we've been going over the series, it's better to give uh, than to receive. And, and part of that is that's the way that God wired us. And it's the way that whether you believe in God or not is when you do something kind for somebody, you know, we feel good. You know, something inside just makes us feel really satisfied and happy, and we feel good about ourselves when we are kind and do good to other people. On the flip side, if we're selfish, you know, there's something that tells us that, you know what, this isn't right. Something's not right about this when I'm constantly thinking about myself. And that's because we were all created in God's image, and God is the ultimate uh, giver. But today, we're going to talk about it's better to give than receive peace. Now, we know then we're going to learn that ultimately peace comes from God. But, but, you know, the impact that a peaceful attitude can have during a stressful situation, that can't be ignored. That, that it, when you're in the midst of a stressful uh, situation, the way you act could definitely impact the people around you. And I learned this when I was a supervisor at Continental Airlines. It was when I was the supervisor in baggage service. And I get this message from Hawaii that says, the good news is we got the freight, all the freight on the airplane. The bad news is we didn't get any of the bags on board or the luggage. And I said, okay, I've got five hours before 230 people are going to come and see me because we couldn't get their luggage on the airplane. Or when I'm at the gate area and we have a 747 there that seats over maybe around 100, 400 people. And then all of a sudden I get a call from maintenance. Um, Dave, we got some bad news for you. The 747 can't go. But don't worry, we're going to replace it with a... 757. And I go, great, that's 200 people less. When am I going to go with these 200 people that can't go to New York? I said, you want to deal with 200 angry New Yorkers? You come up here and you tell them that. You know? But, you know, I've learned that in the midst of a situation like that, all it takes is one person to set off people and you have a riot on your hands. But I also know what a calming effect could have on a stressful situation. And today, we're going to learn that one of the reasons Jesus came is to give us peace. And I don't know where you are, you know, today in, you know, your life and all that. And I know some of you are coming today because, you know, you've had a pretty stressful year. You know, I've seen people post on Facebook and I see this on the Internet where it said, Thank God 2016 is over. You know, and because it's been a rough year for a lot of people. And so if you're in a situation right now where life isn't going the way you wanted it to go, where you're in a situation where um, you're experiencing pain right now because of whatever happened. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning because we're going to let you know, I'm going to let you know that Jesus came um, to give you peace. And, And peace is a really rare quality. To have, Because when I meet people, you know, I meet people that are worried about, you know, their careers. I meet, you know, students that are worried about their future, their grades, relationships. I, you know, I meet parents that are concerned about their children and their children's future, where their kids are going to go. You know, I talk about, I meet ambitious people that are really working really hard to get ahead in life. 
But it's rare, it's rare that you find somebody who's at total peace with themselves and with others. And I'll admit to you that, you know, that person isn't me. You know, something I'm working on that God's working in my life. But Jesus came to this earth to give us peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, if you look on the screen with me there, 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah made this statement. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. When the angels met the shepherds um, in the fields to announce the birth of Christ, in Luke 2.14 it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And so once again the angels said, Glory to God on the highest, and peace to you on who his favor rests. And even Jesus himself, in John 14, 27, says, The peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give you, excuse me, I do not give to you as the world gives. And so what Jesus is saying here, I have come to give you the peace, to give you peace. My peace. And my peace is very different than the peace that the world gives. Because when you think about the peace of, that the world gives, number one is temporal. It's fragile. And it depends on circumstances. So when you take a look at your life, you know, think about a time right now where your life was peaceful. Most likely, it was because there was an absence of conflict in your life. And that's how we define peace. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I gave you, come to give you peace that only I could give you. You can't find it in a book. You can't find it in a bottle. It's different than the world gives. And it's not based upon circumstances. It's not based upon circumstances. And so, once again... I don't know what your situation is, and you might be pretty stressed out right now. But Jesus came to give you peace. And if you took a, take a look at Scripture, there are three kinds of pieces that the Bible talks about. The first one is spiritual peace, which is peace with God. The second one is emotional peace, that's peace within ourselves. And the third one is relational peace, that is peace with other people. And so the type of the first peace that Jesus came to bring is spiritual peace or peace with God. Because a lot of times when we're growing up, we think churches are all about rules and I'm going to do this, I'm, you know, I'm not supposed to do this. or You know, I'm going to do, we might have the attitude that I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I, I know what the Bible says I'm supposed to do, but, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. You know, I want to pretend to be God. I want to be the Lord of my life. I don't want anyone telling me how to live my life. And that puts me in opposition with God. And I'm disconnected with God. And we were never created to be disconnected with God. And so we feel this conflict going on in ourselves. When I, and a lot of you know that when I was a child, for whatever reason, I was overly concerned about death. And this is maybe when I was in elementary school. And I would constantly ask my mom, what happens when we die? What happens when I die? Why do we have to die? You know, is there anything after that? You know, why are we here if all we do is we live and we die? You know, and my mom was just like, you know, she was a Buddhist at the time, and she was what you call a cultural Buddhist, and she couldn't have, she didn't have any answers for me. So she goes, okay, I better start going to church so she can answer my questions. 
But when I um, came to church, and then I, when I understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, when I understood that he died on the cross for me, and that I could have eternal life if I just believed in him, and I made that decision and that choice to place my trust in Jesus Christ, in that moment I had peace with God. If you take a look at the next slide, Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have this peace just by being a good person. You can't have this peace by just going to church. You know, the peace that Jesus is talking about here, in order for us to have the peace with God, it says that we have been justified. We have been declared not guilty. Why? Through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith of what he did for us on the cross. And that's how we gain the peace with God. But, you know, as I grew older, you know, I started to look at my life and I said, you know, am I really good enough to get into heaven? And that started to concern me. Because when I was a kid, you know, my mom explained the gospel to me. I said, that's great. I believe in Jesus. And then I get to go to heaven. But as I grew older and older, I looked at my life and, yeah, I did some pretty messed up things. And I said, could God still love me? Am I still going to heaven? You know, but it was this faith in God. That peace with God that told me, Dave, I came to forgive all of your sins. And even though there was a time when I walked away from church, even though there was a time when I was struggling to become a pastor because I knew God wanted me to be a pastor, but I looked at my life and said, God, you called the wrong person. You know, you're, you're calling somebody who's messed up. You're calling with somebody who makes all of these mistakes. You need a holy guy. You need a righteous guy. You don't need me. But because I had peace with God, because I went back to the point where it says, it's all about faith. And that God forgave me, therefore I could have peace, that I'm at peace with God. I was able to say, okay, God, you know, take me as I am, warts and all, but I'm here for you. If you want me to become a pastor, you know, I'll do it. Why? Because I had, I had, I had peace with God. But once you have peace with God, then you get the peace of God. The peace with God leads to peace of God. And that's more the internal peace, where you have peace with yourself. You know, in Colossians 3.15, um, the Apostle Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. See, once again, it's an internal peace. You know, it, you know in the Bible it talks word about shalom. And that's a peace, being at peace. But it's more than just being at a peace where your life lacks confidence. It's about well-being. It's being about feeling in a state of harmony. And ultimately, when you talk about God's shalom, is God doesn't want us to be afraid of anything. And there are 790 references to peace in the Bible. And so God has a peace for every situation that we might face today so we could have that peace if we trust them you know if you're confused right now if you're sitting here and you're faced with a decision and you don't know what to do god's going to give you a guiding peace maybe you're here and you're heartbroken because something happened to you god says i could give you a comforting peace maybe you're worried you're worried god says i'll give you a calming peace maybe you're anxious about your finances and god will give you financial peace. God does not want us to be worried at all. 
And God has a promise or a peace for every problem or situation that we encounter. So once we have a peace with God, then we have the peace of God, then we could have the third peace, which is peace with others. And one of the things that I've come to realize, the further I get um, from God, the further I get my relationships with others um, start falling apart. If my relationship with God is out of whack, my relationship with you is going to be out of whack. If I'm disconnected with God, my relationships with you, my wife, my son, will be disconnected from God. You know, you want to be a better husband? You want to be a better spouse? Get closer to God. Because the closer you get to God, the closer you'll get to each other. In Ephesians 2.16, it says, And Jesus might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus came to destroy the hostility that we have with one another. And he promised that if we get closer to him, if we draw closer to him, then our relationships with each other will be a lot better. And so many times that's not the first place that we do. What happens when we get in an argument with our spouse? What happens when we get in arguments with our friends? What's the first thing we do? We try to set up our arguments. We try to think about a way that we could prove to the other person why, why they're right. No, why, excuse me. Why I'm right and they're wrong. Isn't that what we do? We do that. But what does the Bible say? You know, husbands, wives, if you want a better relationship with your wife, if you want that hostility to be broken down, do what? Get closer to God. Parents, if there's hostility between you and your children, what does God say? Ground them? No. Now, of course, we have to discipline our children in love. I get that. But what does the Bible say? Grow closer to God. Because the closer you grow glow to God, you start feeling good about yourself. And when you start feeling good about yourself, less things tend to bother you. You know, one of the things I always do is, you know, when I, you know, drink coffee, a lot of times I'm drinking coffee on the go. And a lot of times I'm too lazy to put that lid on. But what happens if you have a full cup of coffee and you're in a car with somebody else, or you're walking and you stop? What? It spills all over you, Right? You know, that happens to me. I just never learn that I'm a lot of times in such rush. I grab my cup of coffee and I'm going and I fill it to the brim. And it's, every time I shake it up, it's constantly coming out and pouring out. However, if my cup was like maybe only a quarter full and you shake it around, nothing's going to happen. And see, that's the way it is with us. is when we are disconnected with God. We're like holding this full coffee cup. Whenever it's shaken, something in our life happens that we are not prepared for. And life shakes us up. Guess what? That coffee overspills and it overspills onto the other people in our lives. However, if we empty ourselves, if we empty ourselves and draw closer to God, you know, that cup, it it could be shaken all at once and it's not going to be filled, it's not going to spill over until the around the other people that we care about. And let's be honest with you. You know, when life starts shaking us up, who are the ones that pay the price for it? 
It's usually the people who are closest to us. And so the question is, well, how do you get that peace? And Jesus gives us the formula to experience this peace. And I guarantee you that if you um, do this formula, if you practice this every single day, it will really change your lives. It will revolutionize the way you take a look at um, difficulties or trials in your life. And you will experience the deepest level of peace. Because Jesus said, look, I made you. I know how you're wired. And I'm going to give you the solution or the formula that if you follow this, you'll have peace. But the problem, like some of us, including myself, you know, the older we get, you know, when I was younger, I used to have to rely on God a lot. You know, especially during those high school days when I had gang members chasing after me, when I'd leave the house and I just wondered if I would come home alive or if I'd ever see, you know, my parents again. You know, I had God and me. And in the midst of leaving that house, not knowing if I was going to come back alive or not, I would have peace because I was new to the faith. I trusted in God. I believed that he would help me. But the problem with getting older is what? We acquire more knowledge. I think I'm smarter. I think I'm more clever. I think now that I could solve my own problems. Thank you, God. I'll call you for the big stuff. And the little stuff, I could take care of myself. But I found out the big stuff got smaller and smaller, and I started trying to handle the big stuff. And so I forgot. And some of you have met, might have known um, these principles. And I know you know this verse for some of us who've been growing up in the church. We just forgot about it. We forgot about it. But one of the things that we, in order for this to work, in order for have, us to have the peace of God, we have to believe one thing. As I must expect that Jesus will help me. I must expect that Jesus will help me. It's not that, oh, I hope, Jesus, you help me. Or, God, if you can, can you help me? We have to expect that Jesus will help me. And so why don't we, if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Some of you might have this memorized. Some of you who have been around back in the 70s knew that there's this guy named Wes Terasaki that <laughs> made a song out of this, and you could probably sing it right now. But he says, what? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more to do. All right? But isn't that the way we approach God? Is when we say, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. Yeah, I'm tired, I'm burdened. And you're going to give me all of these things to do, and if I do those things, I'll get my life better. He doesn't say that. It says, come to me, all who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest. So the first thing we have to do, and if you have your notes, could you write this down, is we've got to come to Jesus first. We have to come to Jesus first. Isaiah 48, 18 says, if you, had, if you only had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. And when I take a look at that, and I take a look at all of the stresses in my life, and all of the major mistakes that I've made in my life, they all pretty much could, they have one common denominator. 
And that's because I did my own thing. I didn't listen to God. But what does it say? He said, David, if you only just paid attention to me, if you only did what I said, you know, you would have peace like a river, that your peace would be flowing through your life, or that your well-being would be like the waves of the sea, like your well-being would just be like waves just crashing over, and it'd be constant. It'd be constant. You know, Dave, I love you. If you only listen to me, this is what I want for you. But you want to do your own thing. You think you know better for yourself than me. And so one of the things we have to do is we have to come to Jesus. You know, one of the things that I've learned growing up, that God really doesn't respond when I complain. God doesn't respond to my whining. God doesn't respond to my griping. But God responds when we come to him and ask for help. Psalm 34, 18. For those of you who are coming here today that have a broken spirit, this verse is for you. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves those who are broken in spirit. Once again, God responds to humility. God responds to a broken heart. They said, God, help me. God, help me. And he promises, he promises to be near to those who have a broken heart. All it does is it takes humility to say, God, I blew it. Oh, God, I need your help. My heart is hurting right now. Whatever I'm doing, there's nothing I could do to heal this wound that's in my heart. God, help me. Now, that's a prayer that God responds to. But what do you do when you're stressed out? Do you watch TV? You know, watch movies, go on social media? You know, your hobbies? You know, all of these things are good things to do when you're stressed out. But those things will not give you rest for your soul. And then he also goes on to say, Um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Now, this is an agricultural term. When I say yoke, what do you naturally think of? You think of this little yellow thing that's in an egg, right? An egg yolk. But when they're talking about a yolk here, since they were in agriculture, for those of you who've seen Western movies and you've seen, let's say, horses or cattle pulling a stagecoach, they had this piece of wood that would... Um, chain them together that would bind the two ox or the uh, horses together. And the reason they had um, that, the reason um, they had the yoke is so that one animal doesn't have to pull the load all by himself. That with two, they share the burden. And this is what Jesus is saying. So the second principle, the first principle is we need to come to Jesus. The second principle is we need to connect with Jesus, because he says to take my yoke upon me. And the purpose of the, um, his yoke is to lighten your load, to help carry your load. You know, when I was in college, I worked for this appliance company called B&H TV. And what we, what I was, I was a appliance deliverer and installer. And uh, sometimes we didn't have enough guys. And so they would send me out and say, Dave, we've got a refrigerator for you to, um, Deliver. Now, back then, I, I, okay, you're going to have to use your imagination. I was 135 pounds, okay? So picture me, 
40 pounds lighter, and then trying to install this refrigerator. And sometimes I had to install refrigerators by myself in a second-story apartment. So I had a hand truck, and I'd have to go up, you know, get the refrigerator, take it down, and bring it down those stairs by myself and pray that I wouldn't drop it. Because one time I did, and just you know, and I was just thankful that it was their old one. But then I'd have to get the new refrigerator, strap it to the dolly, and I just have to. And it was hard work. I mean, um, and so it always bothered. You know, sometimes I said, "Oh, how can I?" couldn't have somebody else to help me. But sometimes we had two guys. And when you have two guys, I tell you, delivering that refrigerator up to the second story in an apartment was so much easier. Taking it down the steps is so much easier when you have a second person. And this is what Jesus is saying. He said, the reason you guys are so stressed out and tired is that you are carrying the load yourself. You are never created. I didn't create you to carry the load, the worries that you are facing right now by yourself. You are never created to do that. You are never created or designed to carry that weight by yourself. You know, every time we detach ourselves from God, we're carrying that load by ourselves. You know, God is saying, Dave, you want to carry that load by yourself? Go for it. See how far it gets you. Jesus is saying, come to me. I know you. I love you. You were never carried to carry that load by yourself. Let me help you carry that load. And the reason why so many of us are stressed out, if you just take a moment and think about it right now, is because you're doing the lifting all by yourself. You've got to believe that God has a heavier back and God is stronger than you, yet we're trying to carry that load by ourselves. And finally, you know, he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and laden, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. You go, well, what does gentle and what does gentleness and humility have to do with stress? You'd think that Jesus would say, well, I'm going to give you strength and I'm going to give you perseverance to deal with the trials. But he says that I am gentle and I am humble. What does that have to do with stress? Well, the third principle is we have to let Jesus change me. Number one, we have to come to Jesus. The second thing, we have to connect with Jesus And third, we have to let Jesus change me. And because when you think about it, gentleness and humility are the antidotes for the biggest causes of stress in our lives. Because the biggest causes of stress in our lives, and you could take a look at it, and you could probably put them into these two categories, is aggression and arrogance. Aggression and arrogance. And aggression is that, you know... We're in a hurry. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for a solution. I need to just get in and do things. So we jump into things. We don't think about it. We volunteer for things. And then we just jump into things because we think, oh, i got to do it. They need me. And then all of a sudden we start looking at our calendars. And you say, who did the scheduling? 
You know, what was I thinking when I signed up for all of these things? So we jump into things and we're overcommitted. You know, we're, we're not a patient society. You know, and one of the things that I've learned, if you know these games on your phone, they prey on people who are impatient. Because what they do is they design these apps or these games where you can only get so far, right? In order to get to the next level or order to the next, the, the next whatever you need to get to the next level, what do you have to do? You have to pay for it, right? You have to pay for it. And you go, oh, it's only five bucks. So you go, okay, boom, I'll pay for it. Woo, I get to the next level. And you're paying and paying. Oh, man, you know, the Decepticons are going to destroy my city. I need to fortify my city. I need to build stronger walls, getting better weapons to protect my city. And so, ah, oh, it's only five bucks. Bang. You know, Why? Because you're impatient. You're impatient. Because if I play the normal rate, I'm collecting all of this money, and if something goes wrong, the Decepticons are going to come in, and they're going to take my money, they're going to take my energon, they're going to take my alloy, and out of my city, I won't be able to protect my city. And so if you look at all of the games, they're all based upon our impatience. That if you want to get to the next level faster, you need to pay for something. So parents... You know, you got to watch those games. Because the most expensive, you know, purchase that I've seen is like $100. So if you want to get to the next level, it's no problem. Just pay $100. That's a lot of money. I mean, you could buy two games, you know, for your Xbox or whatever with that money. But that's aggression. And sometimes we're aggressive because we can't sit still. It's like we accomplished something and that's not good enough. We got to go to the next quest. We got to climb that next mountain. Right? And so we can't, we don't have peace because we've accomplished something. And as soon as we've accomplished that something, we need to conquer that next mountain. That's aggression. And finally, arrogance. Now, arrogance is my desire to control everything. My desire to control everything. Because when you really, really think about it, how much control do you have over your life? You know, parents... You know, how much control do you think you have over your children? I know when they're little cute babies, we, we have all of these dreams of them, and then all of a sudden they leave their house and they go on their way. How many times do your children choose the path that you chose for them? No. Why? But we try to control it, right? And, and control is based upon fear. Because for most of us, and it depends on who you are, there's a certain part of our life where we feel comfortable with. If all of our activities in our life fit within this um, area that, that I feel I can control, that, I'm feeling, that I feel comfortable, I'm good. But when life starts happening outside this part, or life starts happening over here, what do we need to do? We need to control this so we could bring it back into here where I could feel comfortable again, right? And guess what? Most of life does not happen in here. And if you've been walking for a, with God for a long time, most of the life is going to happen out here. And it's going to be happen out here. So we got to learn to trust God. Because if not, you're going to be trying to control everything, everyone, every circumstance, so you could get it back into this area where you feel comfortable. You're never going to have that peace. You've got to learn... To let God take care of the things outside 
your comfort zone, right? And that's how you get the peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You trust in God. God said he'll give you the peace that so many of us are lacking. And so what's this week's challenge? I want you to meditate on Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 29. Some of you might be hearing, you say, well, I don't own a Bible. I'm not familiar with a Bible. Just write this down. Matthew 11, 29, 11 28 through 29. Just Google that. It'll show up, you know, on your computer. What I want to think, I want you to think this week about uh, where do you turn when things get stressful? Where do you turn when life doesn't go the way you want it to go? Or what sources of stress can you turn over to Jesus to lighten your load? What are some of the stresses in your life right now that you are carrying by yourself because you think you can handle it? What are some of those things that you could turn over to Jesus to say, hey, let me lighten that load? Finally, what areas of impatience and control can you turn over to Jesus? What areas right now where you're really impatient because life or things aren't happening at the pace that you want them to happen? Or things are happening in areas that you're not comfortable with because you're not within this scope right here. And give those over to Jesus. Let's pray. And could the worship team come up as I pray? You know, there are some of you who might be sitting here today who have yet to experience that peace with God. And this is where it all starts. This is where it all starts. Everything builds upon each other. And I'm going to give you that opportunity, if you so choose to do so, to have peace with God. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is where Christianity is different than the other religions. That it's not about, you don't have to clean up your act before God accepts you. God, the Bible says that God loved you while you were still making mistakes. And you do not have to clean up your act in order to come for him. And this is why he sent Jesus into this world on Christmas. Ultimately, to go to the cross to die for your sins. And so if you want this peace with God, if you want to know what would happen, that there is a place for you called heaven, you know, after you die. If you want to know that you have been forgiven of all of the mistakes and that there's a God out there who loves you regardless of what you do, good or bad. And if you want to have peace that only could, he could give you, that the world might be crumbling around you, your heart might be broken right now, but God could still give you that peace. Would you just say this prayer for me, with me? Dear Jesus, I really don't know a whole lot about you. And I've heard what the pastor said. 
But there's something about trusting you that makes sense. I can't explain it, but there's something about believing that you came to this earth to die for my sins, that all I have to do is accept that gift and to place my faith and trust in you for my salvation. That makes sense. And although I don't know a whole lot, at this point in my life, I choose to believe. I choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I choose to believe that I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes in my life. And I've chosen to choose to believe that your Son died on the cross for my sins and made the payment for those sins so I don't have to pay them myself. And that he rose again on the third day, proving that once again I will be risen after I die and spend eternity with you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I turn away from my old life, and I choose to follow you. And Father, for those here this morning who have gone, who are suffering loss right now, who are experiencing pain, who are experiencing stress. Father, will you let them know that you are near to them and all it takes is for them to draw near to you, to take that yoke, your yoke, upon themselves, for they were never designed to carry the burden by themselves. So, Father, may they experience your peace this Christmas. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.